Welcome back to the five spot where we bring you nothing but the hottest news and kind of tap into the gossip. But more importantly, let's get right into this Monday night thriller of backups. Uh, very exciting backup play uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, obviously, C.J. Beathard stepping in for Trevor Lawrence and his injury uh, for an eight and three Jacksonville Jaguars team. I was excited because we talked so much of what we've seen from the NFC this weekend with the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Everyone started to kind of forget about the AFC. And when you talk AFC of the teams that are up at the top, obviously people bring up Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, which they struggled uh, this weekend against Green Bay. Uh, you know, you talk about the Baltimore Ravens, uh, but Everyone tends to forget about the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars came out with Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback, trying to establish a tempo on both sides of the ball. I thought offensively, I've seen some explosive plays, but I've also seen some things that we started to question a little bit this year uh, of the consistency of, of their offense. What we would be able to see, would it be ETN? Would it be more Ridley? Would it be an Ingram uh, we just weren't seeing it consistently, and they had some explosive plays and created some big plays for them, which put them in the big lead, but allowed Cincinnati to come back. Armando, when you looked at this game, when you know what's going on in the AFC, did you think this was an opportunity for Jacksonville to kind of separate themselves uh, by beating a, a team without their starting quarterback? Yeah, so uh, absolutely. When that game started, Donovan, last night, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, had they won, they would be the number one seed in the AFC today. Uh, but here we are early, early on Tuesday morning, and my rooster just crowed. And so I guess it was time to wake <laughs> up and say hey to you. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars are not the number one seed in the AFC because they lost to CJ Beathard. Uh, no, excuse no, me. No. They, they, they lost to Jake Browning. Jake Browning. It, it, I blame the rooster for that mistake. <laughs> um, and, you know, as we sit here, the Jaguars are awaiting the results of MRI of an MRI to uh, Trevor Lawrence, because it looks like he has a sprained ankle they're hoping that it's not season ending there. There's optimism up about that. Mm -hmm. um, but going forward, maybe even short term, it's going to be CJ Beathard. And dude, I got to tell you, man, uh, there's two things that make NFL football hard to watch for me anyway. And number one is terrible officiating. And we get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of terrible officiating. Right. And number two is bad quarterback play. And this year, we're getting a ton of it because of the... From starters, though. From starters. Well, yeah. And yeah. also from the guys who have been now anointed as starters because right. the real guys are are now down for the season or down for a long time or just right. down uh it, it's 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 scarring to the eyes sometimes you know when when i look at trevor lawrence um you know people want to continue to bring up the rocky road uh start for him in his career obviously when he had urban meyer then doug peterson comes in and all of a sudden they have this explosion and 
and beating the the Los Angeles Chargers, coming back uh, from a double-digit deficit and winning that playoff game to starting out this year of the expectations of, you know, what we were going to see from them. They go to out to London uh, and they steal a few wins and then they get on a win streak. But no one really talks about them because it's it's not, I would say, that, that ex- excitement that we all kind of build up with, with the NFL of big plays, big-time quarterbacks, uh, great storylines. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars just continue to stay consistent until they played the San Francisco 49ers. When they lost to the San Francisco 49ers, everyone thought that that was the type of team that we were going to see from Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville was 8-3 and three going into this game, uh, and then for what we've seen throughout the game, it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is the Jacksonville Jaguars team we kind of were looking for. Trevor Lawrence, ETN, you know, uh, their defense with Josh Allen, uh, those guys creating plays on the defense. But then at the end of the game, we're still now questioning if the Jacksonville Jaguars are for real. That injury, I will tell you, being a former quarterback, uh, it's a little bit more than an ankle sprain. I think it would be more of a grade two high ankle sprain, but he also got cleated. For those who don't know what cleated means is offensive linemen either wear the nubs on the bottom of their shoes, but on grass, some linemen will wear screws. So there were the screw-ins. And so now when you get stepped on on that ankle and the way that he stepped on them, his ankle displaced a little bit, but then when he rolled back on his ankle, that's when you started to really think, oh, no, this could be serious because that usually leads to a knee injury. So with the high ankle sprain, you can also have a an MCL sprain with that by the way that he fell back. So I'm a little worried about Trevor Lawrence more uh, with the injury than more of the Jacksonville's going forward. Yeah, I'd be well. You know, they're kind of tied in. By the way, listening to you say the word nubs, yeah. <laughs> why is it that that word makes me laugh? <laughs> nubs, <laughs> dude. I gotta go get a dog and name it Nubs. <laughs> it's like I don't know Nubs. Uh, so, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything that we think about them. Right. He's on them. Yeah. Uh, they had a grand opportunity last night yeah. to go ahead and be the best team in the AFC based on the playoff seating. Right. And they're not that today because they allowed Jake Browning to roast them uh, on defense. I mean, Jake Browning completed 86%. Yeah. Of his passes for like 350 some odd yards against the Jaguars. And the Jaguars scored a lot of points. And Lawrence and even Beathard had a a, a A field goal drive against them. And that defense continued to wilt, continued to give up yards, continued to give up points. And I'm thinking, you know, can you cover Jamar Chase? Just yes, please. A couple of times. They're going to throw it to him. Yeah, T. Higgins. Might want to cover T. Higgins. The only good moment that the Jaguars had on defense last night was when Zach Taylor, the head coach for the Bengals, was seeing the fact that Browning was was destroying that, that defense. 
and decided let's have somebody else throw the ball. And so some boy who is a wide receiver and not their best quarterback right. throws an interception. It's like, yeah, all right. NFL head coaches sometimes they they outsmart themselves, bro. I I don't know. Uh, I feel I feel like the Jaguars are for the time being. We gotta put them in the in the kind of the the standing room only. Yeah, standing yeah. room only. Yeah, they're they're not they're not on the, in the VIP line at the club <laughs> or in the VIP section. Let's put it that way. Uh, they're on standby. Uh, a little one little nugget. Zach Taylor was playing against his brother, and they have this competition uh, of of who wins and and gets the trophy. Well, the trophy stays in one particular place uh, where the mom uh, kind of oversees things. So that was a little more motivation for Zach uh, to beat his brother. Uh, I forget what the record is at this point, but uh, I think Zach may be up right now, uh, leading in the victory department over his brother, but. I just think for Jacksonville going forward, now we got to see what what ends up happening uh, with the injury. I'm pretty sure it'll be more of a four to six kind of range of how long he may be out, which could lead to about more two to four, uh, more three to five, I would think. But I think with C.J. Beathard, and C.J. Beathard is a product of Kyle Shanahan from San Francisco. So he understands about getting the ball out quickly, uh, he looked rushed, and maybe a week of preparation now that he will be the starting quarterback going forward will help him. But I thought he was he was rushed. A lot of a, lot, a couple of his balls were dying. You know, receivers had to go down for which did really didn't need to versus that Cincinnati zone defense. That zone coverage that they were running left guys wide open, which led to them driving down for the field goal. So I just think for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I will not count them out because they're in a great position right now, and I think CJ can pretty much hold the fort down uh, for the next few games, at least win 500 of them uh, going forward until Trevor gets back. But I think we do need to keep an eye on uh, Jacksonville. But I will say this. In that division, the Houston Texans are making noise. And so it's going to be a battle toward the end, I think, if Trevor Lawrence is not healthy enough. Uh, But... I would like to see definitely how how uh, Doug Peterson continues to get his team ready to go, knowing that his starting quarterback will not be there. And my friend, uh, you're going to get a lot of letters and angry emails from the people in Indianapolis because you didn't mention the 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 rallying Colts. They they are also in that division, you know, and they they are if. We do the old if the season ended today thing. Yeah. If the season ended today, they are in the playoffs, which is stunning because they're another team that lost their starting quarterback, right. of which there are many. I think there's like eight teams. It's gotta right be now. yeah, like eight, eight or nine. Let's see. We got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, Deshaun Aaron, Watson in Cleveland, Aaron Rodgers in New York. Anthony, Anthony Richardson, Richardson, yes. Daniel Jones. This week, uh, Kenny Pickett is also out, and yep. now Trevor Lawrence. Like fully a a. Let me see. 
Uh, a quarter of the NFL has lost their starting quarterbacks at least for this week. Yeah. And most of them for the year. Right. I, I don't like that. That's bad. That's well, that's that's bad. Yeah, that uh good thing this isn't college because then they wouldn't advance or get picked by the committee. But we'll save that for another conversation. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, let's move on to uh the biggest <laughs> The biggest game this weekend, uh, that being the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Before this game, we talked about how we felt that the the Philadelphia Eagles were disrespected uh, by being the underdogs, by being the representatives of the NFC and playing at home to be, I think, two and a half point underdogs to the San Francisco 49ers that were coming into Philadelphia to play this particular game. But Debo Samuels, he started it out early on with the trash talk, talking about, hey, if Brock Purdy would have played last year, things would have been a whole lot different, and we would have represented in the NFC. Some people took a little bit of uh, that as fuel to the fire, bulletin board material. But San Francisco came out, and they established a tempo early and continued to put their foot on the gas versus the struggling Philadelphia Eagles team in the first half. We've seen this over and over again. Uh, that they come out slow in the first half and pick things up in the second half. But when you play against good teams like San Francisco, you have to come out with touchdowns and not field goals, Armando. Yeah, so the Eagles had five consecutive games where they went in a halftime trailing, yeah. which is not a good thing because most teams that trail at halftime are trailing at the end of the game as well <laughs> in the NFL statistically. Yeah. But the Eagles had won. They had won four of those games. Uh, they had rallied even yeah. against, you know, pretty decent teams like the Buffalo right. Bills. Um, but this time, you know, you're facing San Francisco. Uh, rally, no thank you. They're, they're not about the other team rallying. Right. In fact, they turned, they, they put their foot to the gas. Um, so let me ask you this. Was the NFC Championship game a mirage? Is San Francisco truly just better than the Eagles? Everything, even all, you know, when it's 11 on 11 and not 10 on 11 like it was in the championship game last year? You know, it's hard to say because, one, this was a regular season game, and regular season games are a whole lot different than playoff games. Uh, I think last year, remember, Philadelphia Eagles were on a win streak. They were They were hot at that particular time. And even with Brock Purdy, they were able to get pressure on Brock in the beginning. Now, what a lot of sacks he didn't last long, but they were able to at least push the pocket. And so who knows how that game would have ended up if Brock Purdy would have continued to play. Uh, but I will say this. At the moment, the San Francisco 49ers have established themselves uh, as the top team in the NFC. Does that mean anything? Absolutely not. But I will say this. The problem with San Francisco is the fact that they always have injuries at the wrong time. Remember, Debo Samuels has not been healthy all season. Christian McCaffrey has not been healthy all season. Trent Williams has not been healthy all season. And this is just not this year. This has been the last couple years. So we don't know what may end up happening to them going forward. And last year, Philadelphia was the healthiest team in the NFL. No injuries to any of their big-time players or even their secondary players, whatever it may be. So I think this is one for Philadelphia 
We'll see how they overcome adversity because you talked about the five games where they struggled in the first half. That second half performance by the Philadelphia Eagles has been outstanding, and they've been against some good teams. Now the San Francisco 49ers, I think confidence-wise, they're going to move forward, but the thing, big thing for me and the question mark for them is who's going to get hurt next? You're like the Grim Reaper, dude. <laughs> you're, like, you're like coming for the for the 49ers. Like, yeah, yes. It's like I'm here to collect ankle injuries. No, no, I'm here to blow no, up knees. It's no. like <laughs> uh okay, but let me ask you this now. Yeah. You mentioned that 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 youngster. Uh, their quarterback Brock Purdy, right? Who, by the way, has been healthy, uh, you know, since that that terrible injury against the Eagles in the championship right. game. And we mentioned last week or the week before the MVP candidates, and we didn't mention him. And I'm thinking now it might be time to add him to the list because no, 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 not yet, not yet. I want to get, I want to wait. I want to wait two more weeks because I, I think when you talk about because Christian McCaffrey is still in that conversation. Listen, he even though we talked Brock Purdy from this last game and he was very efficient. I think he put up a, over almost 300 yards. Uh, Christian McCaffrey still had over. I believe he had over 150 yards of total offense. Um, and so. I think Christian McCaffrey's still in there. Tariq Hill still in there. Uh, we'll see what happens with with uh, Lamar Jackson, but Dak Prescott is still, I think, the front runner with Tariq Hill in the MVP candidate. But I need two more weeks of Brock Purdy because it could be, it might be one of those explosive days for him. But we'll we'll see what happens next week. So, I would say to you, we've had seventeen weeks of Brock Purdy. Uh, and I'm going back to last year when he first started, he's 14 and three. Yeah. And, uh, this year he's, I mean, his completion percentage right now is 70.2, which is first in the NFL among passers who have started five games or more. He's number three in touchdowns with 23. He's first in quarterback rating with 116.1. And his yards per attempt average at 9.6 is far and away number one. So um, I get it. He he doesn't he's he's to use a um, that term from that sport where they put the ball in the hoop. He's a point guard. He's a point guard that distributes. But dang, man, the dude's Walt Frazier. Uh, he's the dude, like, John Stockton. The dude, the dude is like John Stockton slash like Magic Johnson. I, I will, yeah. and I'm I'm never been and being a former basketball player too, and still think I can I can play basketball in my mind, uh, not my body. But uh, I, I look at it in a sense. Yes, we like to highlight the guys around them, and I hear so many people on on TV always with so the Debo Samuel's, the Christian McCaffrey's, the George Kittle's, the Ayuk's, uh, whoever else they put in there. But someone has to get them the ball. And if he has a big name or he doesn't, I'm impressed by Brock Purdy, not because of the the numbers that you mentioned, but the first thing you brought up 
he's 14 and three as a starter. And that's what that's what quarterbacks are measured by, if you ask me. Hey, it's great that the icing on the cake is the numbers, but if he's a winner, that's what stands alone. And so I think I, I give him I give him credit, yes, of mentioning him with some of the top players that are playing. I think he's deserving of that right now. Uh, but as far as putting him in that top echelon right now, the one and two slot in MVP, I just can't put him above Tariq Hill or I can't put him above Dak Prescott. Because remember, for a three-week span, when they were losing, everybody just kind of dropped Brock Purdy and was like, oh, well, now he's hit the wall and, you know, he's not the same type of guy. And then all of a sudden, he, boom, got, got hot again. And it's like, oh, well, Brock Purdy's doing pretty good. And Christian McCaffrey or... Ayuk or Debo Samuels is back or Trent Williams is back. So that's why I say let's give them two more weeks with all those guys healthy. And then I think then it'll be kind of, okay, let's give Brock Purdy his flowers. Let me ask you this. Obviously, you played a long time for the Philadelphia Eagles. What was your relationship with Big Dom? That's because my guy. That's <laughs> I'm putting Dom on my stories on Instagram, showing him some love. I talked to him. I talked to him yesterday. Hey, I sent him a shot. I said, hey, man, are you all right? Just checking in on you, big fella. Dom is, and this is the thing that people don't know. Dom has been there for years, and, and Dom actually followed behind Butch, who was the head of security world. Dom is now, and Butch kind of groomed him. And Butch was a great guy, older gentleman. Uh, we love Butch and his brother, uh, but Dom was the guy kind of in the ranks. So Dom took over, but Dom is what people don't realize with Dom. Dom's quiet. Like Dom, you would never really know Dom is there. And so for him standing on the sideline, which he's always with Nick Sirianni because he's obviously the security for Nick Sirianni, but he's usually, he's almost like the cord guy. You know, the one guy with the cables is holding it for the coach. So he's always kind of following him. And so it just happened to come to the place he's standing and Devontae Smith gets pushed and, you know, he's standing there. So basically he just separated him. It wasn't like he hit the linebacker. He just separated him. And the wild part about it was the linebacker reached to punch him and missed him. Not, not that Dom was going to retaliate, but Dom just kind of stood there. And if you watch the video, he just looked at him like, what are you doing? Like, and Dom actually got thrown out for no reason. But the fact that he touched the player, it, that was the thing. The fact that he touched him, separated him. He didn't push him. He just separated him. So I felt bad for Dom. Showed him some love. Told him, man, I got your back. I think the NFL probably will find him, which the guy who's making that decision is a, my former teammate, Troy Vincent. So I need to reach out to Troy and be like, man, show Dom a little bit of love. You know, don't find him. He's all right. <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to tilt the field for Dom, uh, which, by the way, I, I hey, see. Hey, uh, Troy, just relax. Don't 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 penalize him. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, okay, Nick Sirianni apologized to right. Kyle Shanahan for that right. because the San Francisco 49ers, I feel like I have to speak up on their behalf because obviously you're you're on the other team. Um. Their point is, why is a guy that's not in the game and not playing, why is he involved at all in a situation with a player? He's not a coach. He's not a player. He, his role is not to protect 
the players from other players. Uh, that's what they're saying. Um, and I can kind of, you know, I mean, look, I'm sure that if I ever met Dom and I have not, uh, Dom DeSandro, he's a wonderful person, but I think his protection instinct may have gotten the better of him uh, when he saw a little 170 pounds. <laughs> I, knew, I knew he was going to go there. I did not go there. I was <laughs> get tossed around. I wasn't going there. You went there. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you got a linebacker that's 240 pounds, basically ragdolling your wide receiver, and I'm sure his his big, you know, German Shepherd instincts came up and decided, no, 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 that's my guy. I'm gonna step up. But yeah, he he is now facing, you know, NFL review and possible fine and possible suspension, which if you're talking about a player, uh, you get fined. That's not happy day for you. But if right. you're talking about a regular human being uh, who doesn't make what players make, you're talking about a suspension and fines. Uh, yeah, not not pleasant, I'm sure. No, I'm 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 right along with you, and hey, you know, free Dom. Uh, we'll start that out in in, uh, in Philly. Keep that going for you know maybe a GoFundMe to help help Dom out, so he's there uh, taking care of Nick Sirianni uh, at this regard. Uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to what happens next for both teams. Uh, so I will definitely keep my eye on that. Just just more of where we are. Let's continue to talk the MVP race. Um, right now for the NFL, Armando, give me your top four, um, of, as far as the MVP race is concerned, you talked about quarterbacks being out. Um, you've also talked about teams that are on the rise. You talked AFC South of the Indianapolis Colts and, and obviously the Texans moving up right behind the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Green Bay Packers in the, in the NFC North are starting to make a little bit of noise. Uh, with with have the the Minnesota Vikings there, uh, the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys are starting to emerge, and these are all pretty much of their quarterback play that I mentioned. Because when I talk Indianapolis Colts, you know who's going to really bring up Gardner Minshew, which Gardner Minshew has led this team as a veteran, you know, to help help this team be in this position. But all the other teams that I mentioned usually. It's their quarterback, and it has been their quarterback in the way they've been playing. So give me your top four. Except for Tyreek Hill, which you already mentioned. Right. Um, and, and I mean, I, I am stunned how he is able week after week after week after week after week to produce, and he is still on course for an unprecedented, never-done-before 2,000-yard receiving season. Uh, the one thing that came to my mind when we were talking earlier was you mentioned how Brock Purdy had that three-game slide yeah. where he didn't perform to a certain level. Um, and you mentioned the fact that those were games where Debo Samuel were not playing. And, and you also Williams. mentioned Trent Williams was not playing. And as we talk about Tyreek Hill and his MVP campaign, um, we have to mention the fact that Tua Tungavailoa has remained healthy. 
Yes. Last year, Tyreek Hill was also on a 2,000-yard uh, arc for the season receiving yards, and then Tua got hurt, and all of a sudden, he wasn't on a 2,000-yard for the season receiving arc. So the fact – and I've said this for years and years and years. You know that I am a, a Hall of Fame voter, right? Yes. Um, Hall of Famers – don't go in by themselves, in my estimation. You don't have a Hall of Fame coach unless he's got Hall of Fame players. You are not a Hall of Fame quarterback unless you had amazing, outstanding wide receivers and coaching. You're just not. Uh, it, it's in. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you should have thought about this when going, I'm pretty good. Yeah, but I I ain't got no receivers. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. You did. did. Uh, we're about the facts. It took a while. It took, Andy, dude, receivers. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Um, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm, you're right. You're right. Hey, hey, Kansas City's going through it right now. Yes, absolutely. You see, you need it's it's like a it's it's almost like freaking like socialism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need you need you know the collective, which Mike Tomlin <laughs> loves to talk about. Me, I'm about freedom, but NFL, you know, right. collective. You need help. Um. I don't know where I got off on this. We we went from talking about the MVP to socialism. This is bad. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think we're all we're both tied together by, by with our answers of where we are with the MVP and 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 you brought up. I'm so glad you brought up Tua because even if this is a kind of a contract year for Tua, the highlight has been Tariq Hill and his success that he had, but. Tua Tagovailoa has actually been playing very well, and the reason that we're in this position because the quarterback is getting them to him. So I mean, we can say the same thing really in San Francisco, but it's reversed because we just mentioned Brock Purdy. Because we can bring up how important Debo Samuel's is to this offense in San Francisco. Now, year, a couple years ago, remember he went through a contract dispute and he wanted to be labeled as a receiver. And not really as a running back. And so he went through that fight and they were able to get it done. And ever since he's been back, it's been explosive plays after explosive plays with Debo Samuels being healthy. Uh, you know, same thing we can talk about with, with Dak Prescott. You mentioned quarterback and receiver. In the early beginning of the season, we weren't they weren't getting the ball to CeeDee Lamb. Now all of a sudden you're getting the ball to CeeDee Lamb eight, ten times a game, Dak Prescott's putting out outstanding numbers. And so I just think, yes, every quarterback needs a number one receiver uh, and a receiver that he can rely on, but we have to highlight those particular guys. I mean, even with the kind of the teams that are on the rise, I mean, C.J. CJ Stroud, losing Dell may hurt this offense, but it also will give opportunities for those same guys that he's been spreading the ball around to to elevate their game. Uh, and the same, I can say probably the same thing for Jordan Love. And Jordan Love's been spreading the ball around with Watson. It, he's been 
He's been in and out with the injury. He suffered a hamstring injury, I think, in that Kansas City game again. Uh, but he's been doing a great job of emerging. So uh, I love what I'm seeing right now with the NFL uh, and these young, talented guys are starting to make a name for themselves. Uh, and looking forward, I think the NFL is in a great position. Before we head out, let's let's hit one more segment that yeah. I think you know has been the talk of really the football world, and that's the selection committee selecting Texas, Michigan, um, Alabama, and and Washington over Florida State, who's an undefeated team, Power Five team, representing the ACC, won the ACC just this weekend and get bumped out of the top four. Not only did they get bumped out, but the number one team loses to Alabama, and they fall behind Florida State, which they're now going to play each other, I think, in the Orange Bowl um, in January. Do you think that that was the right decision, or was it one in which they allowed the fans to make that decision for them? Well, I don't think it was the right decision, but not because of the decision. I hate, and I've always hated, uh, rankings that lead to championships. And the reason I say that is I believe, having covered the NFL for longer than most people have been alive, that you decide the thing head-to-head, man-to-man, right. on the field, in the scoreboard, on the scoreboard, in the standings, not in, a, in a, an opinion. It's right. a fact that one team beats a, the other. So this was messed up from the get-go when they decided we're going to do this based on rankings and, you know, certain s- criteria that we are going to, you know, push forward or retract as we go. And so the whole idea of Florida State not being in it despite winning the SEC, ACC despite being undefeated that feels bad to me. And you know what? Uh, We just got done talking about all these NFL teams that lost their quarterback. Well, guess what? They are still in playoff hunts. The Bengals are still in a playoff hunt. The Browns believe them still, still in a playoff hunt. Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers, Indianapolis still in a, they've won four games in a row with their backup quarterback. And so what? who is the committee to say, well, it's the backup quarterback, you're no longer uh, a viable team? Right. That, that feels wrong. Um, having said that, Florida State has to put up or shut up. They're going to play Georgia, right? Yeah, They're going to play, play Georgia. Georgia. Okay, so prove the committee wrong. If you are who you say you are, regardless of your quarterback, you're going to beat Georgia in the orange bowl. And if you don't shut up, your argument was empty. Yeah. But, but even with that, it's almost like, and this is what the NCAA and, and the power five teams, this is what they built. And they built this, this monster because every bowl game is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it's even the, the orange bowl or the fiesta bowl. That's not included into the playoffs because Really, to be honest with you, I can go all the way back to Christian McCaffrey when Stanford made the bowl game. And the first thing that he I think he might have been one of the first to say, I'm not playing in the bowl game. I'm going to prepare for the draft. And so this is what we now are faced with with Florida State and with Georgia. 
because both teams have at least at least five or six guys that are, will be drafted in the first or second round. So the fact that they're not in the playoffs now gives them that opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away and prepare. I don't want to get hurt in the bowl game. Prepare for the NFL draft. So we really don't know if it's going to be a full-on competition because the, the top players may not even play in this particular game because they're not in the playoffs. So the NCAA has built this monster where I thought they should have started with eight teams in the playoffs from the very beginning. If you start with eight teams or maybe even 10 teams, it's, you know, the top two teams get a bye, whatever it may be. Uh, but start it out that way and then bring it down after you've done this for over a decade or 15 years or so. And then now you bring it down to those four teams. But now the fact that you have four teams, we continuously have this problem where we're putting it in the hands of a committee. Before it was the computer. You know, everybody got all upset because the computer picked so-and-so or whatever. Now we're going off of judgment instead of really analyzing what Florida State is about. Even with Jordan Travis, don't get me wrong. I love what he's been able to do. I thought Travis kind of emerged as one of those quarterbacks that you got to keep an eye on. I don't think he was a top round, top two round quarterback. But they still were a good defensive team. They had some weapons on the outside. But they were more of a methodical offense that ran the football. He may have created some explosive plays by getting outside the pocket. But it was more about their defense. And that's what they are. They're a defensive team that runs the football. Now they got backups in there, and people want to penalize them. But they continuously win. They played a team that averaged 30 points a game or more in Louisville and held them to six points. And their defense did that. So why are we penalizing teams because, uh, well, they don't have their starting quarterback? Well, they didn't have their backup quarterback either. It was the third guy that was in there. Exactly. It's about money. But they probably would have made more money if Georgia would have been the fourth team. But they couldn't do that because Washington won the Pac-12. And if Washington didn't win the Pac-12, then they probably would have kept Georgia in there, which would have been another problem. You don't exclude, or it looks like to 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 you know the public that they are bending the knee to the SEC. Yes, because it is the the of all the power conferences, it is the most powerful. Yeah, it is AAA football, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and you cannot have a tournament that doesn't have an SEC team. Right. It, exactly. It, that's what it looks like to me. And they would say, no, 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 that's not the reason we did that. It looks like to me, that's what you did. <laughs> that's what it looks like. You yeah. got to have, you know, that part of the country that down here yeah. that just eats, sleeps and works college football. And if you don't, there's a lot of people that are going to do what with their television? Turn it off. Yep. And so, so that's what it looks like. So with that said, I, we really appreciate you watching the show. We got our, our input. I'm anxious to hear yours. Hit us on social media. Give us your thoughts. Uh, because for me, I feel so bad for Florida State and Coach Norville uh, and me now, or Syracuse being in the ACC, because what is that saying to those teams or those conferences outside of the SEC or even the Big Ten, so to speak, going forward.
I, I, I got to ask you, who would you have left out? I, you know what? To be honest with you, I would have left Alabama out. I would have left Alabama out only because their criteria. Remember, everyone now is going off of Texas beating Alabama. And so now if you put Alabama in that situation, which Texas beat Alabama in the beginning, in the beginning of the season, but Alabama struggled. USC, you, what was it? Uh, USF they lost to, uh, they struggled with. Uh, and then that fourth and 20, whatever it was, play. So, yeah, I'm sure you probably call it Nick Saban. Yeah, Nick? Uh, Nick? <laughs> uh, it's Armando? Yeah, uh, I got Donovan McNabb here. He wants to leave you out. He's, he, yeah. <laughs> Who is Donovan McNabb? You don't know who Donovan McNabb is? Oh, no, no, no. It's because he didn't have wide receivers. That's why. That, that's the reason. Yeah. Okay. Oh. You call him. All right. You talk to him. You you'll talk at him. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, this just to me, I just feel so bad for him. But we're gonna close the show up before I really do get a call from Nick. Uh, but join us again uh, Thursday for our next episode. We're gonna continue to hit this uh, college football fiasco. We got guys that are leaving early, deciding that they're gonna. Continue to get ready for the NFL draft like Caleb Williams, quarterback at USC. Uh, and there will be more, I'm sure, in the next 24 to 48 hours. So join us here at the five spot where we hit nothing but the hot topics. But again, we're going to have fun.